Hey Bridgewater, I'm excited to get to talk to you today. At the beginning of this year, I was journaling, thinking about 2022 and wanting to write down things I got to watch God do at Bridgewater Church. There were some exciting moments. Stories of life change flooded my mind. I remembered multiple conversations with people who were taking their next steps as they followed Jesus. I thought of the people I watched be baptized. Memories of every Bridgewater campus filled my mind. None of those things were difficult for me to record. But what I have been finding difficult is articulating what God did at Bridgewater in 2022 in a way that does it justice. He has simply blown me away this last year. He's worked through you. He's worked in you too. Much, maybe even most of what happened in and through Bridgewater is difficult to quantify. A lot of it probably escapes our notice. But what we have been able to track reveals to us that God has been working in huge ways here. And I want you to know that your involvement in Bridgewater Church is making a difference. Each of us, I think, have ways of determining whether what we're doing is worthwhile. We all wanna know that we aren't wasting our time. And because you're attending church online or in person today, I'm guessing you probably either think your involvement here is worth it, or you're really hoping it turns out to be. So let's consider for a moment what it would take for you to deem your investment in Bridgewater Church as worthwhile. What would you want out of your church involvement? To see a church that loves and serves its community? A church that's generous with its resources? A church that children love to attend? A church that teaches the Bible? A church where people's lives are changed? And even if all those things were true and they were happening, what about the results? How would we even know all of our efforts are worth it? What would it take for you to call the effort worthwhile? I think we'd all want to see at least some results, right? We'd want there to be something to show for the time, energy, and resources that were used up in the effort. So, I invite you to listen to what God did at Bridgewater in the past year alone. And I'd ask you to consider whether or not these statistics indicate that God is at work here and whether what we're doing is worth our investment. Let me talk about volunteerism. Did you know that more than 38% of our attenders serve in some capacity? Let me talk about generosity. Over $17,000 was given away out of our benevolence fund alone. That doesn't include an additional $45,000 to four different organizations or special missions projects. And it doesn't even mention another $100,000 given to missionaries that we regularly support. In terms of community and togetherness, we averaged 472 adults in small groups each week with 66 different groups meeting. Let me talk about kids ministry. Maybe it'll blow your mind to know that 1,091 individual kids attended Bridgewater in 2022, 31 of them becoming followers of Jesus. How about student ministries? Hundreds of students came out to our student ministries and 23 of them made Jesus their forgiver and leader with another 17 taking the next step of baptism. In terms of Sunday morning service attendance, we averaged 1,604 people across our campuses. This is up from 1,415 in 2021, which represents 12.6% growth. In 2022, we saw 70 people baptized and 80 people make Jesus their forgiver and leader. What's interesting is that these are just the things that we can track. It doesn't even include the invisible efforts 
conversations and prayers of God's people at Bridgewater. Countless other next steps have been taken in areas of personal growth, marriages, parent and child relationships, workplace influence, and spiritual conversations. It's clear to me that God has done incredible things in and through Bridgewater Church, and it brings us as your leaders great joy and causes us to give thanks to God for all he's done. And all of this reminds me of what Paul wrote to the Philippian church as he thought of them. They became followers of Jesus and then shared in the work of spreading the good news about Jesus to the people in their world, while also financially supporting Paul in his efforts to tell people about Jesus. In his opening words, he both looked back to what God had done while also looking ahead to what God would do. Here's what he says to them as he begins this letter. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's obvious that Paul saw their time, energy, and resources as worthwhile. And he wanted to assure them that what they were doing was in fact worth it. In verse three, Paul thanks God for them. The validation of his ministry was that people actually did respond to the gospel he preached and that they remained true to their faith. Any positive response to the gospel brought Paul joy and he's celebrating obvious signs that they had become followers of Jesus. And it seems Paul's thankfulness didn't waver. It was every time he remembered them. Paul turned each thought of them into praise for God. We also saw in verses four and five that he prayed with joy and thankfulness because of their partnership in the gospel. The relationship between Paul and the church went deeper than human friendship. They had a bond that came from joining in the work of God in the world. Had it not been for the gospel, they wouldn't even have met. Beyond that, because they financially assisted Paul, they contributed to the work of God in other places, becoming a part of his work wherever he went. And verse six reveals that Paul had every confidence that the work God had begun in saving them, he would continue to the end of the age. As followers of Jesus, they would continue to grow to be like Jesus until he returned. And in a similar way to that church, God is working here. He is moving. You are a witness to it or have been a part of it. And I do wanna emphasize that it's one thing to be a witness to something, but being a part of it is next level. Just think of what could be accomplished if everyone who is currently attending got involved. What if everyone attending online or in person served in some capacity? What if every one of us gave financially? What if every one of us was regularly inviting their friends, family, and neighbors to church? What if each of us did our part to tell people in our world about Jesus? And what if we all consistently prayed for God to work in our church and communities. Wow. So please hear me on this. It is right and good to celebrate all God has done in 2022, but we need to keep going in 2023. And I truly believe the best is yet to come and that God is not done. And because of what Paul wrote to the Philippians, we can have confidence that God is not done, neither in his work in us, nor in his work through us. And who wouldn't wanna be a part of a work of God like this. So this year, here are some new goals for us as a church. We are asking God to help us accomplish these things. 
We want to see 100 people become followers of Jesus. We want to see 100 people baptized. We are asking God to see a 15% increase in our service attendance. We are praying that God would give us a 15% increase in our giving as he provides more and better ministry opportunities. And we are asking that God would help us to see multiplication readiness in each ministry area at every Bridgewater campus. Who knows what places God might want us to reach into, and we want to be ready. Now, those were a lot of numbers, I understand, but we believe every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. But what about you? What is one way you can get on board with what God is doing? Maybe it's through serving or praying. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's simply through sharing the good news of Jesus with people. We believe it's worth it. Changed lives are worth it. Watching God work is worth it. And God is worthy of our efforts as we work with him to make more and better disciples of Jesus. I'd invite you now to listen as your campus pastor comes before you to clarify what this may look like at your campus and outlines what opportunities lie ahead for you in 2023. God bless you. Well, good morning. Hey, welcome to Bridgewater. Glad you're here. My name is Matt. I'm enjoying being the campus pastor here. Uh, and I just want to rejoice with what God is doing. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in depth today. But uh, I wanted to jump right into the verse that Josh had read and, and reread it to us here this morning. Philippians 1, he said this. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. As I <clears throat> read over those words this week and as I heard uh, Josh talk about them, I just I kept thinking over and over about conversations I've been having recently with other pastors, some of them locally, some of them uh, nationally. As we're talking about their churches, they're always saying, man, I just feel like I'm kind of dragging people with me on this mission. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I don't say it out loud, um, but I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't feel that. Uh, and so they say, what's going on at your church? And I said, well, honestly, I feel like I have a partnership with the people that I get to, to lead. As I consider Halstead and people ask me about Halstead, I, I say confidently that I, I love the people I get to, to love and lead, that I, I genuinely feel this morning that we're partners in this. I've never once in all my years here felt like I've had to drag you with me uh, to anything. And if I'm being totally honest with you this morning, I think some of you have pushed me more than I've pushed you. Um, probably at least once a month, I have somebody come up to me and ask me, hey, what more are we doing to reach the community? Hey, what, what else can we do to reach people who are hurting? And, and can I tell you, there is no greater joy for me as a pastor than to hear that that I don't have to look at you and go, would you go find people to love? That you're saying, hey, can you help me reach the people that I want to reach? Because I think God is doing something over here. That is such, such a gift for me. And as I read the end of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it into completion until the day of Christ Jesus, that it brings me such confidence and joy uh, as your pastor to be able to say, not only is God going to fulfill that desire for you to reach the people you want to reach, he's going to continue to use this church to do just that. And so I just wanted to start by saying thank you. Thank you for being the type of people who uh, it is a joy for me to lead and it is a joy to be in partnership 
uh, with you this morning. And, and beyond uh, just here at the campus, it's a joy for me to be a part of what God is doing across all of Bridgewater. I, I feel a little bad for you sometimes because we don't always have the time and space to tell you all of what God is doing across all of our campuses. Uh, but every Monday I get to hear a report from all the campus pastors and God is doing incredible things. I'm so excited to see what's happening in Tonkanic. I mentioned this to the leadership team, um, but we bought them that building thanks to your generosity and your prayer and we're working on renovations and plans. But in the meantime, God hasn't like hit the pause button anywhere. They're still growing and growing and growing and they had 330 people and their three services this last weekend, which should not be happening. Like statistically, all the data says once your church hits 80% full, people stop showing up because they're uncomfortable. Apparently nobody told Tunkanic that that's the rule because they're still showing up. And I get excited because we get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of that. And so we put together these booklets for you uh, just as a way for you to be able to see a piece of that. So this is a year in review. They're going to be available in paper on the way out there. Um, but if you want the digital version, it looks pretty sweet. Go ahead and take your QR code and, and scan this code right here. And, and this just kind of lays out some of what Josh talks about. But, but my favorite part of this, and this is why I want you to pick one up on your way out or, or look at the digital, is the testimonies in here. There's a, a testimony on nearly every page somebody's life who was changed because of what God is doing uh, at Bridgewater. And on the first page here is the thing that's, that's key for us is what God is doing to change people's eternities, what he is doing to save people. It, it is unreal. And maybe this is the only church you've ever known. And so it feels normal to you, but to see 80 people come to Jesus in one year, like it's crazy. God's up to something incredible. It doesn't happen everywhere. Let's not take for granted what God is doing. So we just want to rejoice and celebrate with that. But I also believe that what Josh has said was true, that God's not done, right? As I consider what Paul was saying in Philippians and saying, there is a great work in front of us and God is doing great things. Do you know how long ago that was? Almost 2,000 years ago. And guess what? It's still happening, which tells me that God's not done, that as we continue to look forward, there's things that God has for us. So Josh laid out for us the goals for all of Bridgewater. Uh, and what I hope to do with you this morning is kind of draw out what that looks like for us here at the campus and how we can help be a part of the mission of, of following Jesus and reaching our community. So I'm going to do kind of two lists for you this morning. The first is kind of four targets that I've set out in front of us that I think will help quantify as you consider your life and the, the aims of the church and how you might be involved, four targets. And then after that, I want to turn a little bit and talk about four characteristics that I think need to be true of us if we're going to continue to be a part of what God is doing. So here's the first uh, target I want to aim at this year. I would love to see as many people saved as possible within our communities. Uh, last year, Halstead alone, we got to see 19 people come to uh, know Jesus as their leader and forgiver. And we rejoice in that, but I bet you and me both have neighbors and friends and loved ones who don't know Jesus yet. And if we really believe what the Bible says, that eternity is at stake for your neighbors and your loved ones, this ought to always remain a top priority for us as a church, as individuals, and collectively. That we would always be uh, speaking and teaching and praying along these lines. So this is going to happen in one of two ways, I believe. It's going to happen, one, through prayer that we can't change anybody's heart, and we are very confident about that fact. We don't, we don't claim to, but we know that when we pray, God moves, and God has the ability to draw anyone to himself and to remove the barriers. And so we want to commit to praying as a church this year 
that God would save as many people as possible, that you would have a neighbor sitting next to you or a loved one sitting next to you next year this time who wasn't even in the picture of following Jesus previously because you prayed that God would do a big work in their life. The other piece to this would be uh, intentional living and talking. Intentional living and talking. And this comes from me on the stage, that I am intentional in the way I craft my messages, that if you do invite your unsaved friends, they hopefully should be able uh, to hear and listen to what we're saying. They should be able to understand the way we're packaging it. It's on purpose so that when you invite your friend, you don't have to worry or wonder what the pastor is going to say. At least I hope you don't feel that way. That you can feel confident that they're going to feel comfortable here. But this also means for you that you would live intentionally in your jobs, in your workplace, in your friend circles, in your environments, in, in such a way that when people look in and you begin to talk about Jesus, they go, hmm, I want that, right? This is both a me and a you because this is a partnership, okay? So that's, that's the first one, that we would see as many people saved as possible this year. Here's the second one, that every person would take their next step. And, and I don't know what that next step is for you, but we believe around here that everybody has a next step. It's one of our core values, and so for you, your Christian journey is not done. In the same way that God's mission is not done, your journey is continuing. And so uh, there's a, a small list here of next steps, uh, and this is just a few of them. Salvation, baptism, small group serving, giving, sharing your story. But as Josh said, there are so many next steps you could be taking with your life. Maybe you're an occasional attender, and God's really calling you to take your next step and be more regularly committed. Maybe your next step is walking across the street and talking to your neighbor or inviting them over for dinner, inviting them over for a Super Bowl party so you get to know them and hang out with them. I don't know what it is for you, but would, would you not take your foot off the gas pedal this year? That's kind of my, my one plea to us this morning, that we would continue to pursue and chase. And I know there's a lot going on in life, but that we would just keep running for what God has for us. Here's the third one, that we would maintain positive giving numbers. And I want to give you the why behind this so that we can help support a campus launch. Several years ago, I challenged us as a ministry, and maybe some of you weren't here, so you don't know this, but I challenged us as a campus to be uh, generous to the point that we were generous to our other campuses, because how our finances work around here is it's all one pool and that we all help each other grow. So if a campus is struggling, uh, other campuses can help them. I challenged you uh, to be generous to the point that we could do that, and I'm so happy to announce that two years running, we have been able to do that. We've been able to be generous to our other ministries as they've gone through transitions and have needed it. Uh, and so thank you for that. But as I continue to look forward, I realize that one of the barriers to new ministries is the reality of a financial aspect. And so we're praying that God would continue uh, in that way so that we could help launch another campus. Here's the fourth one. That we would grow so that we ourselves are ready to launch another campus. Um, this has been a heartbeat of Bridgewater and it's something we want to continue to do. So this means a couple things. This means we have to grow in our leaders, um, that if you're volunteering, maybe your next step would be to look for an opportunity to grow in your volunteer capacity and help so that if God were to send us, you would be ready to go help with that launch. Uh, this also means growing here as we reach our communities um, that we would be able to send people to a new community. Now, there's about three locations that I, I hear all the time, uh, and this is part of what I'm saying, where you're always throwing ideas at me on how we reach the community, and I love it. Uh, we've launched some small groups out in the Hancock area. Uh, we're working on launching a couple more. Uh, if you don't know Pat and Kim Simmons, sometimes he's out at the door. Uh, they're launching some small groups out there. They have a real burden for their community. And so we said, all right, 
Uh, this isn't a what, this is a who. This is about how we reach the people around us. So start small groups, see who you can reach out there. I'm hearing clamoring. I saw some of it on the surveys for the Kingsley area-ish, somewhere around there. Uh, don't quote me on any of this. Um, and then I've heard for years and years the Susquehanna poll. I'm getting phone calls about when are you coming to Susquehanna? What are you going to do over here? Uh, and so we're praying for all of those. Um, and I know that's crazy to pray for three at the same time. We're that crazy. Uh, we're going to do it. And here's why. Because those communities have been clamoring for years for a gospel influence, for light. It's not because we're interested in Bridgewater hitting some magical number. It's because we're trying to grow the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God grows best when the church is in a community, involved in a school, being a light to their neighbors. That's when we see God work the best. And that's what we want to continue to see him do. So uh, we are well aware that we cannot dictate the move of God. We're very aware of that. But what we are conscious of was what we said a few weeks ago, that we can set the table to prepare to create an environment that God might work. And we think these are some ways that he would do that. But if we are going to stay in what God is doing and continue to be a part of it, there's some things that have to be true of us. There's some characteristics that have to remain true of us as a church. And actually later on in Philippians chapter two, what Paul does is he kind of transitions a little bit and he begins to give a charge uh, to this church that he he loves so much. And he said, here's what it's going to look like if you're going to continue to uh, run your race well. And so I want to look at that with us uh, together this morning uh, that we might continue to run our race well. But before I do it, here's what I I would challenge you to do this morning. If you have a phone and you typically take notes in there, if you have a journal uh, if you want to use a communication card in front of you, I would ask that you would write these down. Uh, if you consider yourself a, a vested member of Bridgewater or a vested attender of Bridgewater, because I'm going to lay some challenges before you, uh, some commitments that I would ask you to pray about and consider making uh, along the way. So anyway, you want to write those down on your phone, on a piece of paper. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. This is to make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and of one mind. Here's the first characteristic that I think has to be true of us as a church, that we would be of one mind. As you consider us, and even as you look down these rows, we're all very different. I'm sure if you sat us in a room and you asked us to explain our lifestyle, our background, even some of our our habits and things, we are wildly different in this room. And yet we are, according to God's word, one body. We are the body of Christ. We are supposed to be uh, together. And, and this le- looks like a couple things for us. So I have two commitments under each of these that I would ask for you to pray and consider making. Here's the first commitment. That I will stop all gossip and division. Being of one mind means that we don't all always agree, but we all agree that unity is a primary thing for us. Well, the word of God is explicitly clear to us that the fastest way to destroy God's work in a church is to allow disunity and division and gossip to take root. It is the fastest way for God's blessing to be removed. And can I just tell you, I don't want to be responsible for that. (laughs) I don't want to sit passively while I watch any of this take place. And so that's Paul's charge to the church too. He says, would you be of one mind? So this isn't just, oh, if I hear it, I won't engage in it. This is, if I hear it, I will actively go out of my way to squash any of this speech. The second thing that I think this looks like for us is that uh, is a commitment to this, that I will fill the gap with trust, not suspicion. 
You have opportunities with the people sitting next to you, the people you serve with, your volunteer leaders, and you have this opportunity with me because communication is imperfect. There are gaps. There are things that we miss. There are misunderstandings, and we have to choose to fill that gap with trust for each other, not suspicion. So if a volunteer or a leader says something or I say something and you go, oh, I don't like that, we have to commit to not write a narrative in our head that might not be true. We, we have this phrase on staff that says we talk to people, not about people. So if you and I have a problem or you and your neighbor have a problem, nobody else needs to hear about it until you and that individual have had a conversation. That I won't hear from somebody else that you will hear directly from them. Why? Because we believe that if we want to see God work, we have to be of one mind and we have to vigilantly, vigilantly protect it. Here's the next piece out of the next verse. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Here's the second piece that has to be true of our character, that we would be others-focused. As we come into church, as we come into small group, as we come into circles of people, our first posture has to be, as Paul said here, that we would value others above ourselves, that our first move would be this. And here's our commitment under this one, that I will ask, how can I serve before I ask, how can I be served? Now, again, this is just a posture that as we walk in, we would say, okay, what value can I offer? How can I help? And you know what would happen? And here's the crazy thing about how God designs his church. If every one of us walked in in this posture, nobody would ever have a need that was unmet. There would never be a need or a hurt that wasn't cared for or loved on because we were all in the position of following Jesus and saying, how can I serve you? And what would happen as a result of that is there'd be so many people serving everybody that the love we all long for and experience would begin to be experienced. Here's the second commitment that I will reach beyond my comfort zone to make others feel loved. Comfort zone is one of those words that we don't talk about a lot, but we all think about it a lot. (laughs) That's uncomfortable for me. I don't know if I want to do it. Awesome. Now you found your next step. Because God is always going to call us out of our comfort zone. So that means both in here, that we would not just huddle up with people we know, but we would continue to go find people that we don't know, that we would make them feel the welcome that we all love when we showed up here, that we would be the one saying, how can I go out of my way to make someone feel loved the way that they made me feel loved when I showed up? Let's keep reading in verse five for our uh, third one. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. As you consider the mindset and mission of Jesus, his mission really was to come on earth, to seek and save that which was lost, to save those that were far from him, and to bring them back to the Father. And so we believe our goal in relationships ought to model that, which would be our third thing here, that we would be outward focused. That if we're all asking and serving and loving one another here, that's awesome. It means we're functioning really well, but we're functioning for a purpose. We're not just functioning to feel good. We're functioning for a purpose that we would reach beyond these four walls to continue the mission of what Jesus is doing and be outward focused and looking for those who are far from God, which brings us with a commitment. I will invest in people far from God and point them to him. This invest idea seems complicated sometimes, but it's really, really simple. It just means, would you invite somebody over for dinner who doesn't know Jesus? Would you treat them with the love and hospitality that you would want to be treated with? Would you engage them? Would you find out what is important to them? Would you encourage them? And you know what that's going to speak to people? 
volumes. You know why? Because not many people are doing that. We're just in our comfort zones. And if we could stretch out of that, you'd see there's a, a hurting world all around us that wants what you have, even if they don't know it yet. They want that life-giving hope of Jesus. Here's the second commitment. This is the big one I have for you. I will commit to invite X number of people to church or small group. So this is big, this is ambiguous, but here's what I would challenge you to do. Uh, if you're with somebody, I pray about it, talk about it, uh, but set a number. Maybe it's one person a month that you would like to invite. Maybe it's six people over the course of the year. Maybe you're uh, one of those individuals who talking to strangers is like your spiritual gift, and you're like, man, I'm going for 10 a month. Awesome, send it. I don't want to put a limit on you or cap you. Uh, but I bet that invitation, though it feels terrifying, I'm confident could change somebody's life. And so I want to challenge you to that, that we would continue to be an outward-focused people. Let's keep reading in verse 6. This Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, which is why we serve, because he served us first. Being made in human likeness, going out of his comfort zone, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul ends this whole charge by saying, We do all of those things. We are of one mind. We are others focused and we are outward focused because ultimately all of it belongs to him, which is our fourth one, that we would be upward focused as a church. There's so much happening in the world around us. There's so much taking place as you look at the news and you're wondering if that hot air balloon is really a hot air balloon and all of these things going on. The call of Jesus is to pause, to recognize all of this, to love like he has called us to love and fix our gaze on him. That everything I do and you do would be motivated by the cross. It would be motivated by the fact that the one who came and served you went beyond his comfort zone to love you, went to the cross to die for you, that you might know Jesus or know God as your father, Jesus as your savior, is now the reigning and ruling king. So everything I do ought to be motivated by the fact that it all belongs to him. And as we read here, that one day every tongue will acknowledge. Everyone will. That our goal ought to be that everyone would do that with a joyful heart. So here's the commitment under this one. I will remember that my life and this church belong to him, not me. I will remember that at the end of the day, though God has given us free will, he is the ultimate authority sitting on the eternal throne, which means something good for my life. And it also means something for this church, that it's not my church. It's not built on my preferences. It's not built on my desires. It's built hopefully and prayerfully on the word of God. And it's his call and it's his church, which means I'm here to serve at his pleasure, not for my pleasure. Here's the second piece. I will strive to keep Jesus at the center of it all. I will strive to always fix my heart when I've got a bad attitude, when I'm grumpy, when I don't feel like doing it, that I would look to Jesus. 
and be reminded of his great sacrifice on my behalf, which is what motivated us all in the first place, that it would continue to serve as the motivation we need to be the people that God has called us to be. Father, we love you. We thank you and we rejoice in what you have been doing. We rejoice in the good work that you have done. Thank you for uh, the 80 people who have made you their leader and forgiver and the countless others who are taking steps towards you. God, we rejoice. God, as we look forward, we ask that we would always have your blessing on us, that we would stay in alignment with your spirit. God, I pray that you would help us walk in a way that when the world looks in on us, they would want to know more about you. Pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine this year. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.